Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again, and buckle up for another great conversation. Yeah, let's just yeah, kick, let's it kick it off. So, so <laughs> Gus, thank you so much for joining us here at Bottled Up. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure having you on. Of course, I'm, as always, I'm joined here by the magnificently good-looking Sunny Bhugna. Um, and uh, um, and we're, yeah, we're very appreciative of you donating your time today to, to chat with us. Now, now, Gus, you, you're, a, you, you're a bit of a cricket tragic, um, you know, very much yep. like myself. I'm a bit of a cricket tragic as well. But unfortunately, uh, Gus, the only tragic thing about my cricketing career has been my batting average. Um, so, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, may, 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 make with that what you will. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, all, you're always described as a man um, who's, who always wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think, you know, that, that's something which is super important to, to understand about you and your personality. Um, knowing this piece of information, Gus, I, I've, I've got a bit of a scenario for you here to start to kick things off. So you're on your first date. Um, at what point in the night would you confess your love for this person? <laughs> well, absolutely within the first date for sure. If it's uh, Back in the day, guys, we used to do things slightly differently. You're young men, right? So you're used to apps and, you know, you can turn up knowing that sex is on the table or whatever is on the table. <laughs> For us, it was a, like a process of a month of slowly but surely um, getting ourselves to a position where we might be able to get a kiss, let alone anything else. So I, I would, I think it'd be pretty obvious to the girl that I liked them really early, like within the first couple of hours. And I might even say, look, I haven't had feelings like this for ages, you know, something like that within sort of hour two or three. And then, you yeah. know, by the end of it, they either know that I'm in or they're, look, they're look, literally looking at their clock. I can't wait for this to end. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Gus. I reckon I would have only lasted about ten minutes anyway. So, um. I think I think it's good to let people know how you feel. I, I like vulnerability, and I think mm. people being genuine and authentic is probably the way forward. But when I started dating, it was like early eighties. It was a long time ago. It was a different world, a few generations back, and it just wasn't the done thing to wear mm. your heart on your sleeve. In fact, it was all about bottling things up, mm. and exactly. that's obviously a, a part of the work that I do now. Yeah, and that's a massive part of the work that Sonny and I are doing over here as well. I mean, um, I think it, it kind of leads me actually to our first question for you, uh, Gus. And it's it's a question that we actually ask every single person that comes onto the pod. Sure. Um, we always ask them how they're going. But I want to take this opportunity to use your own words here, Gus, and, and ask you how you're truly feeling at the moment. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, probably a bit of a mixed bag for me at the moment. I've had a good morning already. I got up out of bed and I worked out with a mate of mine. I had a cup of coffee and we had a good chat. And then I drove home. And as things happen when you're doing the type of work that we're doing, you know, you get emotional phone calls from people that see you as a bit of a beacon to be able to help or give advice or give information. And I had one of those conversations on the way to talking to you boys so a bit of a mixed bag because I've got that in the back of my mind now that I need to really help this friend with something but I've put myself in that situation mm. so I, I shouldn't complain in fact I, 
I, I sort of take it as a bit of a, an honour that I can help people with the network and connections that I have mm. now in that mental fitness space. But yeah, I, I've got three children and a wife. I've got a I've got a mum and dad that are still alive. I've got lots of friends. I've got you know the foundation which is going well, and I've just started back on Triple M Drive Time Radio. So really, from the outside, it looks like I'm ticking all the boxes, but. As you boys know, you know it's it's not always quite as green as you expect it to be, or as it as it seems. But you know, I'd probably give myself a seven out of ten. I was an eight out of ten an hour ago, so it, it can fluctuate. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I I think you hit the nail on the head with that, Gus. You mentioned um, mum and dad. Um, one thing we're really curious about, Mank and I, is always going back to the little the little Gus, I guess, uh, and and what he was like growing up. Um, Heard you talk in a couple of podcasts as well. I guess you've split your time across Japan and, and also Sydney as well. So I'm quite mm. keen just to understand, you know, what was it like growing up uh, for you um, and sort of the relationship more particularly. So specifically, so your relationship um, with your parents, you know, mum and dad um, growing up uh, as well. Yeah, no worries, Sonny. I basically, for me, you know, I was like a, a big happy kid that everyone <laughs> sort of, you know, just sort of just fed and put in the corner and gave him bouncing ball and I was happy. Um, my dad was sort of, you know, back in the day, a, a businessman, mm. you know, an executive. So he flew everywhere and we had drivers and we had nice homes and I was mm. very, very lucky. And that, like you said, it was split between Japan in the early days and then Sydney and then uh, my dad actually left the family home, which was the first sort of real rock that I had to sort of deal with. And at the time, I suppose it wasn't as normal as, as it is now for parents to split. So it really rocked me. And I loved just the feeling of home and the happiness of home. And I felt really secure there. And that was probably at the age of 12 that I first started that sort of bit of anxiety. And, and I'm like, oh, you know, what's going to happen now and stuff. But my mum stepped up to the plate. She's an amazing woman, um, really is someone that I look at and go, wow, you know, she's been through so much and she still smiles. She still sees the positives in life mm. and stuff. So I'm very lucky there. Um, I went off dad for a while because of that, um, came back to him, off him, back to him. And now I'm on him again um, <laughs> because you get older and you realize that people make decisions and that you never quite understand why at the time. And um, I didn't understand why he'd want to leave the family home. Mm. I understand that more now as an adult. So yeah, it's it, it was a it was a very very sort of silver spoon type situation, <laughs> and I certainly made what I thought the best of it. Loved school, had a great bunch of mates. Cricket was a big part of it. I, I had eight blokes from my under eleven cricket team at my wedding. Fifteen years later, you know, it was <laughs> an enormous part of my life having blokes that I played sport with and the friendships that came from that. Going home to their place for a sleepover after the game and spending the weekends with them. And then those friendships just turned into, you know, great mates for life sort of stuff. Mm. So schooling was hugely important. I needed to be put in a box mm. and told what to do. And if I was given that, then I could follow the, follow the bouncing ball. And that's what happened. So as a general rule, Sonny, um, I was a very happy kid. Mm. No, I can, and I can definitely see that. And also like one, one thing you mentioned struck a chord with me, cause I, I also grew up um, being around mum for a big portion of uh, my teenage years, even now. Uh, and dad wasn't sort of in the picture for a lot of it. And I think for me that manifested in, in many different ways, like sometimes anger, sometimes sadness, sometimes confusion as well. And I'm sure you would have felt something similar. Um, and often, mm. you know, as a father figure um, to three beautiful kids, um, 
you like I, I guess we often get stuck into following into the continuum of, of our fathers and, and in their shadows and, and sort of taking on their behaviors um, onto ours. So I guess for you, how have you been conscious about changing that narrative um, for your children as well um, as they grow up and um, actually being present in their upbringing as well? Yeah, I suppose for me it was an easy one. And I don't want to say this and, and, and make my dad sad, but, you know, I sort of did did sort of the opposite. Mm. Um, you know, I hung around. I had conversations that were tough to have. I was honest with people. I didn't miss a thing. Like I remember my dad came to one game of cricket and I got a golden duck. So that was his <laughs> That was his excuse to never come again because he thought, well, I'm, I'm bad luck for him. I'm like, Dad, I can get a golden duck any day of the week. <laughs> it's not because you're there, mate. Like, Sort of thing, you know, I would have loved to have been there when I scored 100 or, you know, a match-winning innings or took a great catch or something. And I played so much sport. I just looked up and saw so many other dads watching, whether it was rugby, cricket, soccer in the end, you know, and my dad just simply wasn't there. So mm. uh, that was disappointing. So I haven't missed anything that my kids have done and I love it, you know, and sometimes <laughs> I get a little bit too fired up on the sidelines. So I need to give myself an uppercut. But, um, yeah, I basically decided that I was going to be the best possible dad that mm. I could be, be completely present. And, but to be honest with you boys, I was doing my best. Mm. And then five years ago, I did the man up program mm. and that changed my life forever. So I think I'm a much better dad and much better husband, much mm. better friend with all the stuff that I've learned from that because mm. I, I burst the bubble <laughs> and I started to realize there's a lot more other stuff going on in the world and I need to adapt to that and, and pivot. Mm. So that that's basically the last few years have been even better. And I've now got three kids and they've all got partners and <laughs> you now they all come in, we give each other hugs. I think we can have a good laugh. I, I, I don't get angry too often. I'm not that sort of disciplined guy. I, I want them to be able to feel safe at home and I don't want them to go anywhere. Like um, a lot of people go, I can't wait for my kids to move home. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't wait for them to, to keep moving in here. You know, yeah. I just love having yeah. them around. Have you um have you had the conversation asking them when they've confessed, confessed their love on the first date, if that's happened at all? <laughs> Well, I know my son is not like me, so it would have taken him ages to to drop the bombshell on, on his girlfriend Sophie. But I do hear him now say it when they sort of say goodbye on a phone call or yeah. she's leaving. He goes, "I love you," and she said, which I just love. And my two daughters are a bit more like me, so they oh. their boyfriends certainly know that they're uh, they're loved. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Yeah, no, I, nice I, I personally haven't experienced that, but um, from what I can tell, it seems like it's a really nice thing. Not yet, mate. Not still, yet. Still Not searching. Yet. Still searching. Still searching. Yeah. It's only a matter of time, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, uh, punching like matter of like maybe lifetimes or um, <laughs> um no, but but you mentioned there, um, Gus. Uh, around you know the fact that your your dad wasn't there much uh, during your childhood um how did you go about not having that father figure growing up i mean for example like for me i was very fortunate that my dad was um was there um when i was growing up um you know we, we pretty much did everything yeah. together we were two peas in a pod um although i do understand from his perspective now why he didn't come to my cricket matches given that you know i was <laughs> he felt this un, unrelenting disappointment for me getting a golden duck um <laughs> every single game but um, i'd love to get your thoughts on around you know um, how you went went about sort of dealing with with that growing up yeah basically what i did is i latched on to all my mates big brothers or dads or uncles of mine and you know uh, anyone that was a sort of a bit of a father figure style i would latch on to and that could be cousin my my older cousin's boyfriends who were like 18 20 when i was 10 or my my mate's dads 
um, and they became sort of second dads to me or mentors, if you'd like. And they're still mentors today, you know, the ones that I latched onto. And I, you know, I always wore my heart in the sleeve, as we said, right off the top of the podcast. And they knew that. And sometimes I need a little bit of tough love and other times I needed, you know, an arm around me and they sort of worked that out. And I worked out who to go to depending on what I needed. And so that's what I did. I was never lacking um, support. I just had to go out and find it because it wasn't just there like it was uh, for you. So that's what I did. And I suppose that's why I got so close to Angus, who was the man that took his own life that started this whole mental fitness journey for me. Cause he, you know, he was my cousin's, boyfriend then husband and he used to be a PE teacher so he had all the gear balls and bats and stuff so he used to do kids parties he was a swimming coach so he taught us how to swim so he was just a really fun bloke to have in my life so I just looked at him and went wow and then when we did when we did um a year 10 work experience I went and worked with him and then he changed his career and years later um after I'd gone off to England and done a bit of that sort of stuff I met him again and he said look what are you what do you reckon? And I went, well, um, I'm not happy in the job I'm in. He goes, I'll sort you out. And he got me a job. And years later, I found out that he actually backed me with the bloke who gave me the job. And what I mean by that is that he said to the guy, look, give this bloke a job, give him three months. If he doesn't work out, I'll pay you back every oh, wow. cent that you paid him yeah. in that three months. Wow. So for this guy, it was a no brainer, mm. right? He had an opportunity to give me a trial, but it was never going to mm. cost him any money. And in that, in the end, I ended up working for that guy for five years and I ended up working at, at Toshiba with Gus for another three. So that career for me was successful. But the fact is, mm. he backed me. And um, I didn't find that out later until he had passed away and it just made me love him even wow. more. Yeah, I mean, you described that. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a really nice story and thanks for sharing that. I think um, you described the passing of your friend Angus there and, and on the face of it, um, and, and this is what I've heard in, in other podcasts, and I, I know this is your, your mantra, um, he's a guy who kind of had it all. I mean, you had, like, he was a, someone who had a wife and kids and, and you've also widely spoken about how his passing sort of inspired you into, into action. And and to be honest mm. with you guys, I mean that's really how this initiative was was formed, bottled up was formed. Um, a mate of mine, unfortunately, he passed away in, in early 2020, and it was a massive shock to myself. And and something and when something like that kind of happens, when something you know something that traumatic happens, it, it definitely forces you to introspect a little bit um, about what you want to do with your own life and your own actions. And then Sunny and I and um, and which way we sort of came together. Um, so I guess my question out of, out of that as well was, you know, what kind of purpose did you find in your own life following? Angus is passing. I know it's a bit of a weird question, but no, that's um, fine. No, I understand yeah. it. And thank you for sharing yours. And I'm really sorry for your friend. Did he take his own life? Well, yeah. At the time, um, you know, I got a call, and he and the person on the phone said he he he'd taken his own life, and it was yeah, it was a massive oh, yeah, it was it was a massive shock to the system. It's and, devastating, you know, yeah. and you and you and you wonder why, and you question yourself, and you feel some yeah. guilt, and that's exactly what I felt, and that's exactly why, you know. <laughs> Hundreds, more than a hundred, more than a thousand people turned up at Angus's funeral, mm. and uh, we're all sitting there just wondering why, you know, like, like why, you know. And I won't use the swear words we were using on for your boys and your listeners, but we just couldn't believe it. And I suppose for someone who's a communicator like me, I was like, okay, whew, what do we do now? And I just literally didn't quite know what to do, so I just mm. bottled it up you know, to use your podcast name, which is what us all us blokes do. And for eight years, I said nothing. And then eventually I went on breakfast radio, 
we were talking one day about changing up the content of our show and whether or not we could do things slightly differently, being a bit vulnerable, being a bit more open and honest about our feelings. And we went for it. And I told the story of Angus and um, that was the first time I'd really spoken about it. And I was really lucky. There was a lady that had just won a grant from Movember to do a documentary or some sort of some sort of media campaign they weren't sure exactly what they're going to do and anyway she heard my story and she said you know what let's let's do that journey let's find out why that guy did what he did and and let's get Gus some answers so we went on this journey 65 days of filming three day sorry three hour documentary which you can still see on ABC iview and it was really successful you know and it changed my life we've had over 100 million views worldwide a lot of people have watched it and it changed my life forever. And so I suppose for me initially, it was like, I don't know what to do. So I bottled it up, had an opportunity to be able to express myself, had some good people around me that made that documentary so beautiful. And then really off the back of that, boys, I had an opportunity to either go, okay, well, that's my little bit. You know, that can sit there forever, that three-hour documentary man up and people can watch it, they can dissect it and they can take whatever they want from it and hopefully it'll be helpful or i get back on the horse and i go right i'm going to do more of this because it's really important and that's what i decided to do <laughs> and that takes a lot of work and a lot of emotion and my wife saying yes i left breakfast radio to start gotcha for life which was not a smart move financially <laughs> and all that sort of stuff and you go you know what what's more important in this mm. world so it's five years on now that from the show and five years that Gotcha for Life has been around and we've given $7 million away to people that work in wow. suicide prevention. And, you know, we put out the mantra the other day that it's zero suicides, one's too many. So that's that's what the focus is now. And I know that's a huge, huge thing to, to, to put out there, but one's too many. So mm. we've got to go for it. So that's really how it sort of started and that's how it is now, like, um, today I will speak to you guys and hopefully your listeners might get something from it. It might change their world a little bit. It might ask them, it might get them to reach out and that could be saving someone's life. Another podcast at 11 o'clock. I've got my own podcast series about to be launched. I've got the radio show. I've got gotcha for life. Hopefully all this energy that goes into prevention mm. will slowly but surely start healing generations and we'll start getting that suicide rate down. Mm. It's, um, I think I think what I absolutely love is the clarity in your in your goal and your objective. Like zero suicides and one is too many. Like that clarity is yeah. like wow. Like and I, I completely agree. And I think Meg, you know, both both of us, like the conversations we're having here, like we very much want to point in that same direction as well. And Gus, like you mentioned those eight years where you were bottling things up. Um, you know, I, I just try and imagine of the world where that lady didn't reach out to you, you know. Um, could could have that could those eight years um, be extended? Could that have been you know ten or twelve years? Like how? Oh yeah, well, maybe maybe. I mean, I reckon now there's enough good conversations around being vulnerable, mm. but when we started it, there certainly wasn't. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of good people, you guys included, plus all these. You know, there's a really good village of people mm. that are out there trying mm. to make good, and I reckon eventually, Sunny, it would have got to me, and yeah. I would have gone right. I I, know, I can now talk about it. But who knows how long that would have taken. You're absolutely right. But I suppose I saw an opportunity and I just had enough good people around me to go go for it. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have that. Mm. And now we've created something that I think that 
we've got a really good wave of momentum now. Mm. And and even in your uh, three-part documentary, like a big big theme that you guys cover is loneliness and and its impact on like suicide and impact on mental health yeah. and um you know those like how how has that played a theme in your own life um loneliness because well, loneliness yeah. loneliness i reckon is a disease mm. or, or or it's a condition you know and we just don't talk about it enough but there are so many lonely people out mm. there men and women but mainly men but i've realized now that it's a human problem you know this lack of connection this lack of having what you two guys have you know mm. where you know you can just brother, this is how I'm feeling today, you know, or I'm on top of the world and, and you're not ashamed to say that you're having a good day and you're not ashamed or embarrassed to say you're having a bit of a shocker, mm. you know, that that's key. But when I talk to people about gotcha for life, find someone who's got you for mm. life so you can tell them everything so you don't worry alone. That's mm. it. And like you say, I love, I wanted to make it as clear as possible because mm. the mental fitness, mental health space is very confusing. Yeah. So to try to make it as simple as possible, I think was key. So from my point of view, it really is gets down to that sort of real basic way of making sure you don't worry alone. And people go, you know what, that's fine for you, mate. You've got heaps of mates. You've got your village. You talk about your wife and your children. You talk about your friendships. Well, I don't have any. And I go, okay, that's obviously something I have to deal with because everyone's a little bit different. If you don't have someone that you can talk to like you two guys mm. and like I have with my mates, then there's professionals out there mm. that you can connect with. But trying to find the right connection, trying to find the money sometimes to be able to find the right person. On average, it takes six counsellors before you find the right one yeah. where you feel a connection, where you can be completely vulnerable, mm. open, honest. Mm. So there's a lot there that actually stops us doing stuff that we know will help us. So I understand it's not that busy, but you've got to try to, make the most of it, right? Mm. Of, of, of the most amount of people, most of the time will have someone that they can talk to or have the finances or have the, the connections to find someone professional. But loneliness is awful. And especially mm. in our older people as well. Like mm. I go to old people's homes yeah, and they talk tough. about... They talk about not having a... 70% of people in old people's home don't have one visitor in a year. Yeah. Yeah. So then what, what, what the fuck are they doing all day? Yeah. They're literally sitting there waiting for food or waiting yeah. for there's something, there might be a bit of an activity or the TV to go on or something. Mm. No one's coming in and stimulating, asking them stories. Like mm. I, I love the fact that I can sit with older people and get knowledge. Mm. We've got all these oldies that are willing to chat <laughs> and have a conversation mm. and they're just not being asked the questions, I think we're losing a real opportunity of of learning from our older generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just to add to that as well, I think um, Sonny and I always have this the same conversation. Um, I mean, I think life is about experiences, and I think for, I mean for us for us personally, like, like this bottled up as an experience, um, and we're we're learning a lot from all the conversations that we're having. And I think like particularly from a from looking at from an older generation perspective, like they've got a wealth of experience in a lot of different aspects of their life. And like so for example, there could actually be a really good source of, um, like a, a source of inspiration and a source of, um, knowledge, if, knowledge, uh, knowledge for, yeah. for us, especially when we're going through particular things. So, um, I think that's a, that's a really good point you, you bring up. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I just think that we, we just got to be kinder to everyone. And if mm-hmm. you're kinder to people, then you're more likely to, to learn, to sit there and, mm-hmm. and, and just not be in such a rush. We're mm-hmm. always in a rush, aren't mm-hmm. we? And we're always, moving from one thing to another and we just miss these connections and opportunities to learn and be kind. Mm. It's yeah. 
it's a i was gonna say it's like it's epidemic in itself like Mm. how we're always feeling like (laughs) there's no time and um and i was speaking to a guy the other day and i asked him like what's the best part of fatherhood for you or like what's the what's the most favorite moments and he's like now (laughs) yeah and 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 i i really like that and i think um that's a great answer yeah yeah and and it's always now and i think um yeah we miss that i i i mank you know you and i have had these conversations we always fall in the trap like you know there's a thousand (laughs) things to do and you take a moment to take a step back and you realize hang on a second you know we've got a lot um that we should be grateful for and i'm sure we're grateful for um but there's what's your story sonny you spent a lot of time with your mum but you said your dad wasn't around is he around now or no yes my dad dad (laughs) my dad has battled with alcoholism uh for a long period of his life so he's been sort of in and out of the house um still dealing with it at the moment and um yeah it's been a big part of my childhood i think from year five to now basically and and i think uh last year in uh, sorry 2020 he was uh in icu um, because of, um, you know, the alcoholism just got worse and um, we took the opportunity to take him back home and, and sort of look after his health a little bit. But um, the same cycle just happened again. Um, so <clears throat> it's been it's been tough, particularly so um, not because he's had alcoholism, but sort of seeing someone you love and care about um, sort of not have that control over his life um, and yeah. couple that with like coming in and out of the house and you're sort of forming a bit of a connection with him and then he's out again. Um, and so that's, that's been a tough part as well. So, um, yeah, one of the reasons why I am doing bottled up, um, we all have our stories behind this and I think, um, yeah, that's mine. Um, so I, I really resonate with, you know, people that haven't had that father figure growing up and, um, sort of coming from a single parent household, because you just have a lot of respect for mum um, or the dads, um, that do have to go through that. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, mate. And I hope I wish you luck with it all. Uh, no doubt you'll you'll have your heart out and you'll have it smashed up at times <laughs> and you'll have it filled up at other times. That's just that journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One conversation at a time. That's how we that's how we break it down. Yeah. That's good thinking. <laughs> well done, mate. Um, yeah. One of the one of the things you mentioned was having that conversation with people, and I think you've mentioned this before. Is like you know, men, men see a nail and then they get a hammer and try and hit that nail. And, and you sort of, one of the things I've struggled with is like, once you start having that conversation with someone and, and they start opening up to you, similar to sort of that conversation you might've had this morning, um, how, how, how can someone hold that space for someone? Cause it can get uncomfortable. Someone sharing for and half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and you can't, you know, you, you just feel compelled to say something, but that's not often, you know, the advice is not often what they want to hear. <laughs> no, it's it's two ears and one mouth and you should use them in that ratio. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, really that key. But, yeah. but, but you have to learn that. Like we, we just, we just, we learn in this country to be smart asses and to fill every gap with the joke because we want everyone to feel comfortable and we want people to feel like they're connected with mm. us and stuff. So silence can be really really powerful you know and if you're not used to it if you're not mentally fit then you can feel that silence and that moment can go and all of a sudden there's a whole different conversation which doesn't get you to where you need to get to so what we're basically doing at gotcha for life is you know funding facilitators that give you that mental fitness to learn a bit like just getting your own physical fitness so you got to go to the gym right you'll be better Mm in a month than you were this morning. You'd be better in six months than you were in a month's time. So mm. you just need to go and do the exercises. You need to learn. You need to get in your, out of your comfort zone. You need to get out of control mm. and you need to learn how to have these conversations of gravity. So mm. that's the key. And the more you do it, the more you try, the more you fail, the better off you'll eventually be. 
as long as you're having the conversation, you will eventually get there. It's so much better than that bottling up and not having that conversation at all. So for me, it's no time like the present. Any of your listeners mm. right now who have got an issue and they have been holding on to it and they've been a bit secretive about it, find someone to talk to, whether it's a professional, your mate, your coach, your dad, your teacher, your mom, family mm. member. Find that gotcha for life person and be totally vulnerable with them. And I promise you that your life will be better. You just take away that pressure. When I took Steve Smith around all the schools, when he got mm. the 100 hours of community service after the ball tampering stuff in South Africa, he talked about, you know, every time he had an issue, it was like blowing into a balloon. And mm. eventually the balloon gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you didn't take that pressure off, then all of a sudden you know what's going to happen. It's going to burst. It doesn't necessarily mean suicide, but it means stress. It means anxiety. Mm. It means depression. It means a whole range of things. So you need to find that opportunity to do that. So I know it's not easy. It will become easier the more you do it, but you've just got to go for it, you know, and don't feel that you have to have all the answers. That that analogy of the hammer and the nail mm. is absolutely right. We're fixers generally, mm. you know, we and we don't need to be in this situation. We just need to be present yeah. and that means sitting there in silence saying i'm just here for you and thank you so much for sharing it with me i don't know what to do but now i'm a part of your team i'm now part of the team that's going to help you thank you so much you never have to worry alone about it because we've had this discussion they're the start of a conversation that can change your life mm. that is yeah. yeah i i yeah that is very powerful um yeah. I, and it's simple. And you know, it's, we don't want to overcomplicate this. It really is talk, mm. listen, don't worry alone, yeah. find someone who's got you mm. no matter what. Mm. That's it. And, the best, and then that's the starting point. Best part of all this is it's free. It, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't free. cost a dime to just check in and, and see how someone's doing. Yeah. If anything. You've already invested. Yeah. You've already invested in that relationship. Mm. You know, they, you guys can talk to each other, no problem. There's no... No need for you to even worry about it. You just mm. pick up the phone or you FaceTime or you meet up mm. for a cuppa. Mm. Man, that relationship's already set, you mm. know, so use it, mm. you know, and that's what your friends want. You want, I want people around me in my village to be able to ring me, talk to me, tap me on the mm. shoulder and just say, hey, I need you, yeah. you know, and I'm there for them. And that's the case. I don't want anyone worrying alone in my village. Mm. And that's that's something that we all should be striving for. Yeah, and, and that's our philosophy, Gus. I mean, we, we truly believe that, you know, once we post these conversations out there, especially when we've, we've got really awesome and inspiring guests like yourself, you know, coming on and, and being vulnerable and, and sharing your own life story, it just goes a long way to sort of normalize these conversations. And I, I know I know a little earlier, um, we, we were talking about time and about how, you know, people need to get to places. I know you've got a place to go to go to right after this. You've got, a, I think you've got another recording, another podcast recording. So we, we really do respect your time here, Gus. So, um, before we let you go, um, you know, please tell us, you know, uh, can where can we find, find you? you? Yeah, exactly. Where, where can we, where can people find yeah, you? So, life? Yeah. Give us the, give us the rundown. Give us a little, the little spiel. Yeah. Gotchaforlife.org is our website and everything on there is what we do. And you can get hold of me on my socials as well. If there's anything there that you'd like to, to, to support Gotcha for Life in any way. I mean, really the money goes to, um, facilitators, more facilitators, more people get the get the uh, workshop, more people get the workshop, more mentally fit Australia will be and we'll get the suicide rate down to zero. That's mm. literally the, the process and the plan and the money goes to putting these amazing people into schools, into workplaces, into sporting clubs mm. and just letting people know 
that it's a different way to be a man and a woman now in Australia than it was when the rules were built all those years ago. So if you've liked what you've heard and you want to be a part of it, whether or not you've got a skill that you can help us with or or with a donation, absolutely gotchaforlife.org is the spot. But, you know, I do have to go. But, boy, is the... The, the thing that I love is you guys have got your gotcha for life friendship. You, you you know what you're doing. You, you're out there having a crack. A lot of people have ideas and never back it up with any actual action. You've been able to do that and you're continuing to do that and just look after each other. Look after your families and mates and uh, I look forward to seeing you one day. Thank you very much, Thank Gus. Thank you so much, Gus. means yeah, the world. Really good. Thank you. No worries, boys. Thank you have you. a good day. Thanks, you too. Thanks Take Gus. care, mate. Cheers. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.